welcome to the podcast, Chris Knight. Chris, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Chris Knight was born and helped me out with his Weisbaden. It's Wiesbaden. Wiesbaden. There we go. Germany. Um, he combines his unconditional love of art history with his conditional love of technology, topping off with a flair for the cinematic and an uncompromising eye for detail. He has appeared on Vogue, People, MSNBC, ABC, Ocean Drive, GQ, and others. Chris is the author of The Dramatic Portrait, a pro photo legend of light, a Fujifilm creator, and an instructor at the Pratt Institute, as well as the New York Film Academy. So as I mentioned before the show, I just recently took a dive into portrait photography and kind of chasing down that dream. And between yourself and Lindsay Adler and all the other great resources on Creative Live, as well as your YouTube stuff, it's been really encouraging for me. And I think that you're amazing. So oh, well, uh, welcome welcome to the dark side. <laughs> I know I'm all in. It, it's too late now. I already ended <laughs> my other podcast. I know it's sort of a cliche question, but it often brings interesting results. How did you first discover your love for photography and, and what was that first camera? And then we'll get into a little bit more, more nuanced things, but I'm genuinely just curious. How did you get started here? Sure. I mean, my, my, uh, my kind of foray into, I guess, image making it kind of comes at it twofold. I, I always had a little bit of a love for photography when I was a kid. My parents had an old Canon AE-1 uh, that I, I remember kind of, kind of gushing over and thinking it was really, really cool. And uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to direct movies. I always loved movies. And, and that was actually kind of what I hoped to do as an adult. And uh, somewhere along the line, I kind of detoured and I ended up uh, studying journalism, broadcast journalism instead. I got heavily involved in um, like my school's TV production. Like we had it in like fifth grade. I did it all through middle school. I did it all through high school. And then That's I was already kind of at it for several years. So I kind of just kept doing it uh, into college. And after I got out of college, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I picked up photography on a whim and I just kind of instantly fell in love with it. But I was really lucky as a kid. I got into uh, our magnet school program, which was what we had locally. And different magnet schools have like different directions. Right. Like uh, one of the, one of the ones that was near us was, was uh, they did arts. And then the one that I went to ended up being technology based. And so we had, this is a very long time ago, but we had like a nice computer lab and we had a nice TV production lab. And so it was kind of one of those situations where it's like best case scenario for what people hope happens when they're exposed to programs like this. Right. They go, Oh, Hey, we've given kids the opportunity to use this stuff. Let's hope that they use it in the future. Right. And uh, I got, I was really lucky to, to have a program that had stuff like that. So I actually picked up and used Photoshop for the first time when I was in seventh grade, when I was 12. That's awesome. Uh, because my school had it. It was like Photoshop 3. It was a very long time ago. And I used it, you know, I, I progressively used it in middle school. I used it through high school, through college. And I remember early on, like I was like 12 years old, and I, I got special permission to go to my school's or my 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 town's public library to, to like check out books in the adult section. And I got Photoshop for dummies. And obviously this was way before YouTube or anything. You, you had no tutorial videos. And I sat down with Photoshop for dummies and I cracked it open. I go, clone stamp does this, right? And it was, I just, I worked through the book 
And that was how I learned Photoshop early on. And so like the idea of working with images was always something that was interested to me, interesting to me. And I, I played around with it and it was creative to me. So being able to do that for a living, I think is such a really lucky thing. If you're somebody who's just starting out in photography, you know, you just picked up your first like Canon rebel thing off Amazon. You have no idea. Which is my first digital camera. Same. That's awesome. Canon rebel. Yeah. The XT. Nice advice for those people that are just starting out. I guess we can kind of start more broadly and, and whatever you normally advise. And then we'll go from there. I was, I was having this conversation with Lindsay uh, Adler about a week ago. And I was, you know, I go, I know what kind of a person I am in terms of how I work and, and how hard I work and X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. It's the same with her. She's an incredibly hardworking person. Yeah. And I go, you know, the path you took to get here today, would you take that path again? And if it's different, what what would it look like like so basically like how do you talk to people who are coming up in today's world of photography as a real earnest path like what's the real direction and she goes well i know how i work and so i know what i would do but it's not necessarily the advice that i would give to the average person and so i think that's a really important aspect of this that people oftentimes overlook uh, which is everybody has a different set of expectations. Everybody defines success uh, in their own way. And everyone has a very different work ethic. So for example, uh, I teach several days a week and I've been doing it for 10 years uh, at, this, at these, these schools. And I know myself as someone who like professionally speaking, uh, I don't miss deadlines. Full stop. I don't. I don't miss deadlines. And so, if that means I have to forego a couple nights of sleep to to finish something, or I've got to cut other things, or say no to things, or not do things, I don't. I don't miss them. Uh, I've always had that mentality, and so no matter what, I will always deliver the thing, whether or not it's necessarily the best version of that thing in the time that I have. Is is it's not necessarily always the case, right. um, but it's at least coming in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think what I have, what I see a lot is most people don't have that same uh, expectation of themselves. Many people will miss deadlines or be late or not hold true to uh, a timing that they have to adhere to. And I see that all the time. And for me, uh, I think one of the things that separates many successful people from others, and this is not, I mean, obviously the only, the only characteristic of, of success, but if you're constantly late or constantly missed deadlines, people are going to go, maybe we don't, maybe we don't bring them back. And I think it's part of setting expectations for yourself that aren't necessarily comfortable and I think photography on the whole is a, it's an amazing uh, business. It is an amazing field to be able to, to work within. Uh, it, is, it is a thing where you get to create, 
which is extraordinarily fulfilling and fun. Like I, I enjoy working. Um, and that's not to say that you have to enjoy your work. Work is hard and, and work can be frustrating. Like don't think because people, people go, Oh, if I'm not enjoying my work and I'm not finding joy in it, that I'm not good at it, or this isn't the thing for me, that's not always the case. Uh, even though as great as what we do is, it's not always fun or enjoyable. Right. Yeah. And, but it's still at the end of the day, you get to make things and there is, there is value in the experience of, of making things, whether or not it's easy or difficult. Right. right. And you have right. to enjoy the, the, the end result. Right. And so we're really lucky to be able to do that. And we get to eventually, uh, make our hours. Um, we get to travel, we get to do cool things and meet interesting people. And if you're really, really lucky and really successful, uh, you can make a good living doing it. And so if it's that awesome, of course, it's not going to be easy to get to that point. It's yeah. hard. The hard. Whatever the hard that struggle hard. is, it's hard. Yeah. It's easier for some people. It's harder for others. Yeah. You know, and we have to know that it's a struggle and we have to work through that struggle. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. It takes a long time. It takes longer than what anybody wants it to be. I was told when I was assisting and starting out that it would take me 10 years. It took me about that until I started to get, I guess, not, not scared that I wouldn't be able to pay my rent. I was at seven or eight years, yeah. you know, it takes that long. And I think that's something that people don't necessarily want, want to deal with and want to connect with. And I get it. It sucks. Yeah. Um, it can suck. And you, you do what you can to, to make, make ends meet in those, in those, those hard times. But um, we're lucky that the speed at which things move nowadays, you can speed it up. Uh, but you have to know where you um, where you need to focus your your energy, your time, time and effort in, yeah. in terms of the work that you create. And one of the most common misconceptions that I see as someone who teaches uh, mechanics and technique is that most people tend to, in the beginning, think that, and I was the same way, which is why I always say, avoid this, but, but, uh, technique is not the thing that makes you a really good photographer. It makes you a competent photographer, not necessarily a good one. Like you technique is like oh, learning how to write. So <laughs> yeah. Technique is like learning how to write. Yeah. Um, just because you know how to write doesn't mean you're a good writer. Yeah. So it's, it's all about voice and what you say and and we we finally are getting enough people out there hammering that home i think that voice style viewpoint they're the things that people are looking for yeah it has to have like a tone of voice it can't just be like you know like a, a well-exposed photograph or a properly executed shoot is sort of just like table stakes it's like what is the what's sure. the angle like chase jarvis said that one time that, that you know yeah. most photography is just middle of the road like bland you know yeah. how do you my phone can like, take a properly exposed picture yeah exactly yeah you know so so what are you doing with it what's your tone of voice 
Um, and it's interesting because in the early mid aughts, this is like a more recent thing that, that a lot of people I think can, can, can register if, if we've been around the early mid aughts, uh, technique and technical ability was drastically ramping up with what we could do. And, and Photoshop was taking off showing, Hey, you can do whatever you want. Right. And so we kept ramping it up, ramping it up, ramping it up that overuse of it became what we considered kind of in vogue or kind of considered the upper tier of it. Uh, and we saw, we saw heavy uses of the technical things that could be implemented in photography as uh, the, the significant stylistic elements that we would see in, in, in much of the photography of the day. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, we actually have seen a rejection of that. And so you see that there has been a huge uptick in the, uh, the not trying photography, Yeah, you know, where it seems a bit more raw and seems more candid and seems less stylized. I thought say there's not, there's not places for all kinds of photography, but you've definitely seen a huge rise in that style of work um, in more recent years. And whether or not it's your thing, that's fine. It's okay to have opinion on art, but it's also important for anyone who's, who's out there working to know what the current trends of things are. And, and there is very much a trend in the world of photography right now that is the, hey, we're not trying um, to look overly produced. Mm -hmm. It's meant to look more effortless because, you know, if we look at what the keywords are in ads and campaigns and stuff right now, what do you see? You see like genuine authenticity. Those are the things <laughs> that, that ad companies look for in their branding. Right. And so they're looking for that keyword within the style of photography. In my own experience, sometimes I feel like it's just better to just get out and just do it. Like I watched so many of your classes and so many of Lindsay's classes and it's like really exciting. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I could do this. And then I go into my garage and I think that there's a, a good amount in which you can learn and get like a, a good understanding of it. But then I go into like my garage and try it out. I'm like, oh, I could do this. So like watching and like getting inspired versus like actually setting up the softbox, moving it around, feathering the light and stuff like that. Do you think that there is is too much out there that, that creatives might be limiting themselves as opposed to just doing? Do you see that where people are just kind of overly watching things and not executing enough or, or yeah of course i mean that's that's always so so photography is a really wonderfully unique uh art form in that it has always um invited uh, all different kinds of people from its earliest days sometimes they were artists uh sometimes they were scientists sometimes they were tinkerers um and so and not only that, but in it's from its very inception, like photography, when they would travel around and you'd have those old timey photo booths and they were processing wet plates out of the back of these wagons. Uh, it wasn't even about necessarily even creating things that were artistic. They were creating, there was a commodity they had. And so there's always been within the DNA of photography itself, uh, this idea of art and commerce, which is why art and commerce as a, as an agency was always such a brilliant name because it was the perfect descriptor of what photography is, right? Art and commerce, right? And so it took several years within photography for photography to find any kind of an artistic voice. 
Um, and even its earliest artistic voices, uh, the pictorialist photographers, they were trying to um, recreate things they saw in painting and impressionism. And you saw a lot of painterly techniques being incorporated. Right, and right. it wasn't until another <laughs> couple of decades when you saw like the F64 club come around where they were like, hey, let's do what only photography can do. Let's make things sort of far front and focus. Let's capture the world as it is and it's most real. And let's do documentary and let's do the snapshot, the fleeting moment, something that is purely unique to photography. And that was when photography really kind of blossomed and took off as a way, uh, as its own kind of creative medium. Now, that being said, there has always been a huge technical component up until even relative, really recently uh, that went into photography. You had to be half scientist or half technician or half engineer to kind of make this stuff work, to find exposure, to balance light, to develop your film or whatever. I, I love techie stuff. I love figuring things out and breaking things apart. Um, I love learning the craft of photography and the technique of photography. And I know there are a lot of people like me out there who like to learn about it and learn how to do things and learn the ins and outs of all these weird technical things. Yeah. Um, I love like doing weird experimentations with cameras and lenses and finding super unique ways to, to make an image. But, you know, for all that, you still have to get out there and put something in front of the camera and push the button. Yeah. Because like anything else, I mean, there's a bunch of armchair quarterbacks in, in photography who want to sit behind their keyboard and go, this is good, this is bad. Or yeah, this I'm is always like, show me your book. Know. Like, let's see your work. Like, put put a link. <laughs> you should have yeah, to, like, I'm... put a link below, like, your commentary. There should be, like, <sighs> like metadata in there about, like, your portfolio. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying. It was just, you, you don't. You don't have to necessarily be a good photographer to give good photography critique. That's true, yeah. Um, and a good photographer can give bad critique. <laughs> uh, you know, there are there are people who have an interest in photography, but maybe weren't super amazing at it. And so they decided, hey, I'm going to go be an art buyer. I'm going to be a photo editor. And they absolutely understand it. And they know what good is. Yeah. yeah but maybe true. their joy was around photography and not making images. So like these people are, are totally valid. I will say though, whenever somebody comes out and gives you a really harsh critique and they have good work, it hurts so much more. Oh. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts so much more when, uh, when they're good. Like, yeah, I know the feeling. I used to t take my portfolio to people I really like, respected and, and admired, and and then they'd be like, "Oh, like this, this you got, you got to redo everything." It was just like soul crushing, but also helped me to make some of the biggest strides I think in my totally. career. Totally, yeah. I, I had I had the same thing, which was I went to portfolio reviews and like I had people just rip me apart when I was feeling confident. I'm like, "Oh, I'm ready," and yeah. I'd bring it in and they're like, murk, 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 murk. "I'm like." Yeah. And you know they're right. And, then, the I, worst part. and then I changed it. And yeah. you know, they were right. It just you gotta you gotta have a thick skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in today's culture there's a, a big thing about like getting it out, like doing a shoot and like putting it out there and doing a shoot and putting it out there and getting mm -hmm. your name out there. I think that it and tell me if you think that this is right, that maybe what I should do for a while is just not 
put too much out and then just focus on experimenting because if you're if you're doing something to make a quick output you're going to uh, kind of stay where do you line up with all this is that a bad I mean that's idea? that is a great that is a great question it's yeah. a great question thank you um because i think it totally depends on the person yeah um i think making work and showing showing that work is one of the avenues that you need to take to get your work seen but um i'm also the kind of person where i don't share work that often yeah i realize that um i don't uh I, i've i'm sitting on a bunch of stuff i had some big projects that i've i've put together recently but it's not out yet so i can't i can't do anything with it uh not yet um, but some people need to use it as a, a motivator of growth and sharing work gets you to grow. I think by and large, sharing it is better than not because you can always, you know, if the work isn't good later, or you want to clean it up later, you can always tidy it up. Yeah. But, you know, at least in some way it holds you to account to just continue to produce yeah. Um, versus not, I mean, shooting work and then not, not doing anything with it. I mean, <laughs> just on a hard drive somewhere. What are you, yeah. what, are you Viv, what are you, Vivian May? Are you going to be appreciated <laughs> 20 years after you're dead? Yeah, exactly. That's good. That makes me feel a little bit better about putting my, uh, my haphazard work out there. Yeah. No, it's, it's, well, so, I mean, it's, so, it's so true though. Again, cliche question, but one that I feel inclined to ask, does gear matter? I know that's sort of out of left field, but it's something that I know people want to know. Sure. Uh, kind of, it depends on who you are and how you use it. Um, you can find inspiration in many different places. Some people find inspiration through gear and through technique. Uh, Hey, I learned, I got this new modifier that lets me do this cool thing. Let, let me figure out what I can do with it. Cool. Great. The problems arise when gear becomes the only reason for doing it. When you're like, Hey, I just want to shoot something. That's about this technique. Well, then all you've got is an image that's rooted in technique and has no soul. So the idea, uh, like my favorite photographers are the ones who are conceptually interesting, but also masters of the craft because technique will always be the less important of the ingredients. Then concept is more important than that. And then for me, I like the people who utilize both masterfully. That's what I find interesting in a photograph. My favorite photographers are those kinds of photographers. That's not to say I can't appreciate an image that leans more heavily into concept, but doesn't necessarily have uh, amazing execution. Your technique has to be good enough that you can communicate your idea, right? Uh, otherwise, you won't be able to get your point across. But if all you have is technique and you have no idea, you have no soul in the image. And it's not to say that every time you go out, you're going to be creating these things that are elaborate concepts, but they should have something, even if it's relatively simple. Right. There was a, I, I, I read this long, long time ago, and I always, it's always stuck with me, but generally your image should communicate one of a couple of different things. Uh, it should express an idea. It should express an emotion. 
uh, or it should show a relationship. There might have been one more, but those are usually <laughs> but those are the top three, right? Yeah, right. right. Express an idea, uh, express an emotion, or show relationship. And so we do this a lot, you know, in in portraiture, for example. Sometimes all it is is an emotion, or you're expressing. Uh, meaning or uh, personality or, or whatever, like you're trying to find those elements, a revealing element of, of the personality, some kind of an emotional thing with, with a person. Sometimes it's concept based, um, but generally you're looking at at least one of those things. So how do you take technique and facilitate those ideas? Right. I like that. Yeah. Do you use composition to frame the image to show two different things, thereby showing a relationship. Do you use technique to get in really, really close to show intimacy? Do you use really dramatic lighting as a technique to show um, mood, to show to show um, menace? You're the man, right? That, by All... the way. I just want to put that out there. What's that? I said, you're the man at that, by the way. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) Thank you. We we use technique to communicate these things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're making a five course meal of a concept. And other times you're, you're making a very simple, I don't know, what's the most, you know, here's, here, here's a, here's a cook piece of cooked chicken, you know? Like there's, there's value in being able to cook that chicken really well. There's also value in being able to put out a five course meal, right? They're all different approaches to concept and it's valuable that you just have something. You don't necessarily have to have the other thing. I like my own thing that I struggle with is wanting to make that five course meal. And if I'm not making the five course meal, I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to do it yet. That's my struggle. And it, it makes me not produce as much work as I should. So it's like a reductive process. Is that how you mean that? Like you want to maybe get complicated and then maybe you should start to build it up or how, how do you mean exactly? I just, I feel like I want to put the effort into making something complicated. And if I'm not, I don't want to put effort into something that's simpler. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But, but I should just to make more stuff. Yeah. Because we, we live in an age where we have to continually produce content. Otherwise, we run the risk of being irrelevant in a very short amount of time. Yeah, that's where that, that output. I mean, I, important. yeah, I mean, I, I have, have the bad habit of not caring too much about social media. And so I don't, I don't feed, feed it as much as, <laughs> as one should. And so, I'll go two months without posting something and inevitably someone's like, Oh, Chris Knight's back. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. I've just not posted anything on social media for two months. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's, it's very, very easy for people to forget about you or not, you know, yeah. in, in, in today's world of ever changing and like you'll post an image today and people forget about it tomorrow. Yeah. So, so fast. if you are, yeah, if you are going to be more sparing with it, you should try to make something a little more thought provoking. So people think about it a little bit more. There was, you know, WPPI, the, the, the big photo yeah. um, 
thing that that's uh next month i think or end like a month from now i'm usually broken um, staying home so if any of these places want to you know give me the pass let me know <laughs> it's uh i like going because it's one of the few times i get to see some of my my best photo friends mm-hmm. kind of all in one place which is really nice but they they do a print competition uh every year which i really encourage people to to do because it's important that we don't lose sight that photography is at its core, primarily a print medium. I mean, not necessarily in its practicality every day, but the, the, the best version of what we do is a beautiful print. Yeah. You know, it's the best way you can ever see the work and developing a print and creating a print is a very different thing. And I love the art of printing and it's part of part of what we do at the school. And it's so satisfying to see your work as a beautiful print. You know what I mean? Or a big print. It's amazing. I haven't done that yet. I really want to do that. You should absolutely print, print your work. Even if you don't like print it yourself and you have it printed, it's just when your work becomes a physical thing, it gives you a totally different relationship to your work. Damn it. I need to do that. Digital printing, and, or do you mean like in in the dark room? Because whenever I see like Joseph Karsh or whatever, and then he's just sort of just like moving the water around and then shaking. That it guy's out. that guy's my, my my jam. Same, same. Yeah, man. he's one of my absolute favorites. I have a signed Karsh book. It is one of my one of my prized books. He's a hard one to come by. I know. I love yeah. him. Yeah, me by too. The way, on, on a separate call, where you're going to have to explain to me a little bit how how to get that sort of. That sort of light, maybe that could be a class like a car. There's not, and I've, I've tried Karsh, to find it. Karsh, Karsh was uh, the hardest lighting style for me to crack. Yeah, I can't do it. It was either. really difficult for me personally um, because let's see if I can find it. Maybe. Um, so I've been really well behaved this whole time, but we were taking this down. <laughs> we were finishing up with with Joseph Karsh. Look it up; um, he's the man. Are those silver so, umbrellas? If I had so to guess, this I was silver. something. This was something that I did for a class. I was teaching Karsh light, um, and this is this is in Capture One without any Photoshop. Obviously, the subject was just my my TA, but we were doing this with hot lights, uh, hot lights on top of it. But that was my. Oh my god, that's so cool! My Karsh, with with like three three hot lights. Okay, I'm gonna sound really dumb, but I guess this is a podcast about me just starting out. So a hot light does that just mean that it's like 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 harsh light or hot or hot continuous continuous tungsten lights, not okay. flashes. Okay. So like, um, why do I Lowell Omni's Cornell <laughs> stuff like that? What's yeah. that? I thought, cheap I was, little I like, Ari, cheap little Ari lights. Yeah. So they're genuine. They're, they're, they're literally hot. It's what we call them. Hot lights. They're, they're really, really warm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already like blowing fuses and stuff like that. So I'm going to try not to put oh, yeah. my house down, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're great yeah. though. Um, car shows one of the hardest for me. I, when I was starting out, I got pretty good at being able to imitate different styles of photographers for better or for worse, like I learned how to do different things, but I was never really developing my own thing. I was just trying to do what other people were doing. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not like people were hiring me 
to shoot for them. I just kept wanting to learn how all these different things were doing. And so I really wanted to learn how to do Karsh and holy hell, it was so, so difficult. Uh, the reason for it is because I couldn't figure out if uh, it was primarily in the light or in post-production or a combination of the two, like where it, where it landed. Yeah. And um, obviously he's like, he's more of a photographer's photographer. Like mm -hmm. the average person knows several of his images um, because some of his images are some of the most iconic images ever taken. Yeah. Right. Winston but Churchill, all that stuff. Yeah. Churchill was a good, the, the Hemingway was one. Um, his picture of Martin Luther King Jr. is like the picture of Martin Luther King. Um, yeah. He's got a Bogart picture that's super famous. There's some great quote about um, that. Something like, if you want to be immortalized, like you get like the Cars picture, or some, something along those lines, totally. sort of paraphrasing, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And <laughs> I, I went to an exhibition of his work once and his prints are some of the most beautiful prints. Like anything you see in a book or online, does it no justice? The prints yeah. are gorgeous prints. Oh, this is so cool. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't quite figure it out. And eventually uh, there was this book that uh, I discovered. It's one of my prized possession books. I have two copies of, of the series. Um, it took me ages to hunt down. It's called the famous photographer school. And it was a mail order photography school that existed in like the late sixties. And the reason why they don't exist is they weren't like hardbound books. They were in like binders and you'd have to fill stuff out and send it back. So they, they deteriorated pretty quickly. They weren't made for, for long-term use. Yeah. And the, the, the faculty uh, the people who made the curriculum of, of these books. And it was, it broke down travel photography, fashion photography, portrait photography, lighting, dark room, composition, all of this stuff. It was um, Philippe Halsman. It was Irving Penn. It was Richard it. Avedon. It was all of the big photographers of the day telling all their secrets. And they'd show original images and they'd show after darkroom processing what? and they'd say, Hey, I use this camera with this lens and here was my light. And this is how I, this was the developer I used and here's how I processed it to get this look. And that was like, it was like Irving Penn. Here's how I did my window portraits and Richard Avedon going, here's how I did my white background stuff. And it was the greatest treasure trove of everything I ever wanted to know about how those guys made images. Wow. Dude, I was yeah, it's, for, it's, it's an amazing resource. I've been looking for and, a way in which I can make you my best friend. And I think that that's where we're going to hang out. You're going to show me the book. And then you're going to, okay. at first, I'm going to seem like really annoying and overbearing. And then eventually you're going to like me and then we can become friends. But the book, Perfect. this is how it starts. That's the book. Yeah. We're in yeah, Jersey. That's, that's There's no excuse. That's the you have to be my friend now. And there was, there was one image in there. I, I think it was a Holzman image. I think. That's when they jumped, um, right? Like, like, like Danny Kaye and stuff. He, he did the jump stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very old soul. I have I have a couple of old Halsman books that are really, really cool. So one of them is like um, The Birth of, of Photographic Ideas, uh, which is really, really cool. It talks about where where photographic ideas come from in his, in his process, which is an awesome, awesome book. It's from like the 60s. And another one is, I actually have it right here. 
Lynn's got it for me for Christmas. This one was really, really hard to come by just because it's, you know, it's just way out of print. It's called Dali's Mustache. Wow. And it's obviously like pretty, pretty worn. <laughs> but the whole concept is an exploration in different pictures of Dali's mustache. To be like a question, he goes, why do you paint? Right. And the next page says, uh, because I love art. That's amazing. Yeah. So funny. And what I love about it is it's, it's silly and it's accessible, but it's also meant to show you, Hey, here's how one person can explore an idea. And this is something that we have to do in photography is explore an idea or a concept in many different ways. Here's a guy's mustache and I've made an art project out of it. And it's incredibly creative, but it's also accessible. And it's just, I think something that, that we oftentimes fall prey to is not wanting, like concept doesn't have to be super elaborate but it can be fun and it can be it's a, it's a, it's a creative muscle. You just have to kind of, kind of work out for yourself. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. I want that book now. That book looks so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah the other one I really like, it's, it's the birth of photographic ideas. I think he originally, he's, he said in it, he wanted to call it the obstetrics of photographic ideas, but his publisher thought it would, people would confuse it for a book about pregnancy. <laughs> but he goes, no, no, no. It is about like birthing ideas. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah. That's but awesome. uh, they did not have as much of a sense of humor about it as he did. It's got to sell. It's got to, uh, it's got to be, what, what was that thing you said before? The uh, commercialized art? What was art that? Commerce. Uh, yeah. I got to have art and commerce. Art and commerce. But, there you go. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it's the, I, I love these old resources in like, we, we think of photographic instruction being a relatively new thing. And it is, it's, it's so prolific right now. And there's so many great resources and you have people like Lindsay who are tremendous educators as well as good photographers. Mm -hmm. And you can be a good, you can be a good educator. You can be a bad photographer. There's plenty of those. You can be a good photographer and a bad educator. There's fewer of those. But you, it, people who are both good photographers and good educators are very, very few and far between. I think she's one of them. Yeah. And, people say um, that in the comment section all the time. I'm, I'm like, I have a habit of always reading the comment section on like every YouTube video I watch. Yeah. And people always say that about yourself and about Lindsay, that it's, it's like, it's very rare that you get somebody who's a great educator and it's incredibly talented at their, at their craft. And I think both of you guys well, do that. That's nice. In, in my in my brain, I'm going to like you know like I'm going for my master's degree in photography, and you and Lindsay are going to be the people that are going to guide the way. You, you have to put me on some <laughs> yeah. other people. I <laughs> expand my horizons, but for now, sure, there's lots of sure. content. Okay, but I mean, okay. there's there's been great photographic education throughout the years. You just have to kind of know where to look, and unfortunately, there's been stuff that has just been lost to time, and it's hard to come by. Yeah, and as someone who who collects books. Um, and then, you know, more specifically, uh, I'm, I'm always looking for really unique photo education books. They're just, you know, they, they become, I guess, irrelevant tech, technically speaking pretty quickly. So they, they sometimes find that there's no, there's no need to reprint them, but man, there is so much gold 
in like the famous photographer school, 70 to 80% of it is still relevant and still completely brilliant. But because 20% of it isn't relevant anymore, they go, eh, there's no, there's no point in us. Also, I don't think you could ever get usage rights for a ton of the stuff in the book because they're using famous picture people of, you know, pictures of famous people um, unedited because they're showing the befores and afters. And yeah, they can they still never have, like, estates that. and stuff like that, and and even though like they've passed, but they still have like estates and people that pre- yeah, yeah. yeah I, re- I recognized that ready. recently that there's a the someone's portrait goes far be like I just got um Stanley T Trick I think is the name who's a photographer for the Kennedys. My family's from Massachusetts, so um Kennedy was seen as like the second coming of Jesus or whatever, and. Uh, yeah, and there's all like the, these photos and stuff like that, but there's like estates that own those photos, and then there's like the Kennedys, and then there's like national archives, and it's I love all that stuff. So, yeah, I could do a whole podcast on on my love of the Kennedys photos, but <laughs> they are they are so so it's funny. Like I I actually remember uh, I I love the the images and what they evoke um, because they were they probably did more for him and the the image of the kennedys than almost anything else those images of like him in the sunglasses on the boat like it was classic cool kind of stuff right yeah and it's timelessly classically cool Yeah. yeah yeah and so i actually i was i was who was it was it matt damon it was like matt damon for I'm going to say like GQ or something recently. And I think it was Lashlan Bailey. I think that's how you say his name. I think that's who shot it. I think it was Matt Damon. And I'm, I'm looking at it and I go, oh, they're doing, it's a Kennedy homage. Yeah. Like I knew it as soon as I saw it and it's in color and it's definitely updated. But then I go, let's go back and look at these reference photos. And you're like, yeah, sure enough. Like they were, they were doing the Kennedy image. It's He's a looking good, off like the back of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the, those images are so ingrained culturally that, you know, 50 years later, we're still going still works. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think that's so cool about it. So it was the first book I ever discovered. Like I was just going through my dad's closet as, as a little kid. I, I credit like this book with just a random like photo book of the Kennedys. It probably was like a knockoff or something. But um, I found it so cool. Just the, the, the storytelling of it. The, the last book I got is called Capturing Camelot. But some people might say, well, it's bullshit. Because none of that stuff is true. Like capturing Camelot, like it, it, it's a fantasy. It's something that didn't happen. And as a photographer, I'm like, exactly, exactly. It's so cool because there's this narrative of this picturesque um, Americana, the perfect family, beautifully captured in film. And, 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 it's, and maybe it is bullshit, but the fact that they were able to create that dream through images, it's just like a sure. masterclass in storytelling and photography. Even sure. if it's a little bit out of fun. And nothing is like overly technical. A lot of it's out of focus. A lot of it's shitty old, you know, but and, I love it. And influencing public opinion. Like it it defined the narrative of the Kennedys f- for decades. Yeah. Well, this is we've gone down so many rabbit holes, but I love it. This has been really cool. Dude, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. You've been super generous. Of course. Um, I hope it wasn't too all over the place. I'm uh, sort of learning the ropes here with this new format, but uh, this is exactly what I dreamed this thing up about like how it would go. Uh, this is exactly how I was hoping it would go, and even better than that. So where can people find you online? 
How do they get in touch? Shameless self-promotion time. Sure. Uh, we're doing the, 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 the roll out the red carpet, like hot at the end of hot ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this camera, can, this camera, this camera, this camera, tell the people what you got going on. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Uh, you can find me on the internet, chrisnightphoto.com. You can find me on Instagram, chrisnightphoto. Um, my classes are available on my own website, which is finding Rembrandt. I've also got some things available on ProEDU and creativelive.com. Yes. Sorry for, for blasting the thing that happened in 2017. That's just like where I happen to find yeah. you. That's where you're at now. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So thank you for doing this. Uh, if you see Lindsay Adler today, whenever she gets out from this pile of work that she's on, hopefully she can come on the show. Hopefully you put in a good word for me. Um, I, will, I will do that. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thanks, dude. It's been really fun. Watching you online will seem exponentially cooler now, and I'm here for it. So thanks, brother. Let's, let's <laughs> thanks. keep in touch. It's thanks, been really, really fun. All right. thanks, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Bye.